The question, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? There's another question. If you have no money in this world, which I didn't, what vocation will you want to pursue to, to support yourself? And I said, well, I want to be an author. My, my dream is to be an author, and I want this to be my vocation, meaning my means of income. And so I started looking at authorship in a different way. I started looking at it like, how do I make money day in, day out? This is Show Your Business Who's Boss. Listen in on behind the scenes, unfiltered conversations with my favorite business owner friends who take charge and make their businesses work for them. Don't just be your own boss, show your business who's boss. I'm Pia Silva. All right, guys, very special episode today. I am so delighted to share that I have the one and only Mike McAllowitz on the show today. Yep. Woo. Total badass. So excited to share this interview where Mike is going to talk about some behind the scenes stories about his rise to fame as an author and as an entrepreneur and some of the things that did and didn't work along the way. Now, you probably know Mike as the author of six soon to be seven incredibly influential books for entrepreneurs, including Profit First, The Pumpkin Plan, Fix This Next, Clockwork, Surge, and The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. But what you may not know is where he got all of these crazy ideas that he writes about. Before he wrote his first book, by his 35th birthday, Mike Michalowicz had founded and sold two multi-million dollar companies. And With that newfound confidence that he had the formula to success, he then became a small business angel investor and proceeded to lose his entire fortune. That's when he started all over again, driven to find better ways to grow healthy, strong companies. Since then, Mike has devoted his life to the research and delivery of innovative, impactful entrepreneurial strategies to you. The famous Simon Sinek deemed Mike Michalowicz the top contender for the patron saint of entrepreneurs, and I would agree. So buckle up. Here we go. Mike, hi. Hey. (laughs) Nice to see you. It's good to see you. It's been a long time. I know. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. And you, my friend, are a badass. How's the book going? Thank you. Well, it's... It keeps doing great things for me. Okay. <laughs> and and actually, that's really what I want to talk to you about, because I know everybody that listens to my show knows about Profit First, and I talk about it all the time, and we don't need to talk about all that stuff, because they can go to other places to learn about that, and they all have read your book anyway, because I keep talking about it. So I, I would love to talk more about your, your experience as an author and all of that. So we met... If you'll recall, when you were gracious enough to invite me to 30 Rock because you were filming a spot with JJ on MSNBC's Your Business. And that was so cool. You were like, hey, why don't we just meet here instead? Which like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe you can get a spot there. And I totally did. And it was amazing. So thank you again. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, Yeah, that was huge. And while we were there, my book it was about to come out. I don't even think it had come out yet. And I asked you, because your book was so influential in how I wrote my book, I asked you, you know, what's the best piece of advice, Mike? Like, what do you have to say? And you told me two things that I have since repeated over and over again, and I always credit you, of course. But I want to know, now that you've written twice as many books, it's been a few years, what would you say now? I'm not going to tell you what you told me. Yeah, don't tell me, I I won't remember. Um, No, I'm sure you won't. I'm curious if it's changed or not. So let's just say I'm I'm someone, I'm publishing my first book, I'm so excited. What's the best piece of advice you could give me now? Hands down, hands down, the best advice or, or experience I've had is 
I put every ounce of knowledge I have in my book, like everything I know. And what I found is there's actually, it's kind of funny. So I'm, I'm working on, this is my newest past pages on my newest book. Literally, this is due in two weeks, so I'm going through this. What I found is there's two types of readers for books. You have the DIYers who will read, you know, you're a badass at marketing, you're, you know, uh, you're, you can do this, get different. They'll, they'll read these books, they'll then, they'll then just apply themselves. And that represents, I'd say, 80% of the market. Then there's like 20% of the market who read your book and say, oh, she knows everything I want to do, but I don't want to do this. I need to get more resources and hire this person or hire, use their company. So I found by putting every ounce of knowledge you have in a book, the people that are DIYers become your best marketing force because they say, oh my gosh, it's all in here and they tell everyone. And then the people who are seeking to get it done right come and hire you behind the scenes. So that's, that's probably my best piece of advice. I love it. So that's how you use the book to build all these other businesses. You've got, how many businesses do you have? We have uh, <laughs> I think it's four and there's a fifth now in negotiations on coming on board. So when I say businesses, they're licensees. Uh, so I wrote like one of my books I wrote is called Clockwork and it's about business systems and so forth. And during the process, I was interviewing different experts. I found this one person, her name is Adrian Dorison, who is in my opinion, the authority in business systemization. And a dialogue broke out. I'm like, hey, you know, this book's gonna come out and a lot of you, these are your ideas. Would you be interested in building a service organization around it? And she's like, what took you so long to ask? Let's do this. And this this book, um, the new one, Get Different, we have already a licensee. His name is Justin Wise. And uh, we're gonna do a service offering behind it. I think what's interesting for any authors listening in is, like Pia, you've spent a lot of time developing your intellectual property. It, you know, for, for $20 or something, you have the essence of what's in your mind. It's unbelievable. It's always intellectual property. But we we as authors think, well, that's the end of it. And maybe, maybe I, can, I can do some personal consulting and so forth, but that limits you from creating more intellectual property. So my thought was, how can I continue to do what I love, which is write books and be a spokesperson for it and deliver services? And that's where the licensing model came. And it, seems to work pretty well. Love it. So you use the books. Everybody, all eyes are on you. You're disseminating this information. You've got a great way of doing it. It's very engaging. It's easy to understand. I think that's why people pass it around. But then you use it to create other businesses where other people do a lot of the heavy lifting in the business. Is that fair to say? That is, yeah, <laughs> is that right. the yeah. model? Yeah. I mean, yeah. heavy lifting, like for like, them, you show a up book, a lot. Yeah, obviously. Oh yeah. But for them, writing a book, they would say that's heavy lifting. Like, I'll never write right. a book, and I'm like, I would never do the service. So it, gotcha. they're like, oh, this is a no brainer. So I try to team up with people that love to do what they love to do is delivering the training and services and build an organization around that. And uh, they love to find someone that's willing to write the books and and spend time in creating that. What's really interesting is it's become such a good collaborative effort. So the, they, my licensees, keep saying, Mike, sell more books. I don't care to sell more books because if someone buys profit first, they may buy the new book or something. And so it, it builds momentum. The other thing that's interesting is I get this direct feedback. So the licensee, Justin, for Get Different, we started almost a year ago. So the book isn't even fully written yet. It's, it's now in the final stages, but we're getting live feedback from our classes, our beta classes, learning the application of the stuff. So it's a good learning process. And then sometimes, and it just happened with Clockwork, is there's enough momentum with the book and success that the publisher says, hey, could you do a revised and expanded edition? 
which we're doing now for Clockwork, and I got to go back to Adrian and say, give me the whole download of what we learned over the last three years, and and the book will level up that much more. So it's a really kind of interesting kind of infinity flow of the book gets elevated in quality and uh, also elevated in exposure because the two of us are working together. Okay, that's so interesting, and I'm I'm actually so curious. I'm glad you brought that up because I have been watching how you've been doing it and I, I i was one of the profit first fans when there was the pig on oh, the i gotta show you something first. check this out yeah. well, actually i'll turn my camera look right there you made that i Remember did that? oh steve made that for you yeah yeah you gave it to me so <laughs> steve made yeah yeah oh that's awesome. This is awesome to me this is just huge i love it so i still have it here oh yeah steve right there so i still have it i think it's, i love the sunglasses i oh, love i'm so glad sunglasses. you picked it you kept it yeah you know Thank you for sending that when you did. But that's a reminder to me of the importance of doing work because you don't know which reader it's going to impact or if it's going to be many. But if you don't do it, if you don't keep on propagating it, no one's going to find it. And stuff like that, that just inspires me to keep going and going. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, yeah, you have totally inspired me. I I was a fan, like I said, when, when the book had the pig on it and you then did a revised yep. version of it. Was that... What, what was the reason for the revised version? Was it because of this? You're getting more information or? Partly, partly. Mm -hmm. But this was actually, this was interesting and a little bit unique. I wrote Prop First. Uh, I had the concept for it. I went to my publisher, Penguin, and I said, I got a great book. I already did Penguin, a book with them. he said. Well, no, I don't mean. <laughs> no, no, it's awesome. Now I sound like a big D-bag. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, we but, all want so, to write for Penguin. Yes, keep going. <laughs> yeah, and they're, and they're extraordinary. They're extraordinary. Yeah. But I went to him after I wrote my first book. It was called The Pumpkin Plan. I said, I got, I got a great idea. It's called Profit First. And they said, that's a bad idea. They said, all the accounting books have been written. I'm like, this is not an accounting book. It's, it's about actually retaliating against accounting. Nope, don't want it. So I self-published Profit First, the one with the, the pig on it. And it was performing so well that Penguin called me. This is about a year or two after it's published and said, not their exact words, but we basically made a mistake. We like, and this is, it's it's kind of a two banger. Like first you, you self-publish and you, if you get momentum, you can make some great money that way. And it was serving me, but then they came with an offer I couldn't resist and it hit it up again. And it correlated now I had three, two or three years of practical applications. I was able to improve the book. So the new version of the book I feel is a significant step forward in improving the system. Oh, well, that's amazing. And that's the dream of the self-publisher is that the publisher. Comes. I think it is. Yeah. I love self. I actually just did an author class. I love self-publishing. So I've self-published three books. Toilet Paper Entrepreneur. Toilet Paper Entrepreneur, Profit First, and a book I called Surge. Surge was a, okay. a bummer. A bu actually, I probably have it. You can see right there. It was a bummer in performance. And there was a lot of lessons. I, I, I didn't listen to my readership or audience. I didn't build upon the momentum they had. I just had this great idea that I wanted to share with the world. And it wasn't strategically planned. But here's what's great about self-publishing is you can go to market faster, you can write in your own style, but you can still register it through ISBN, Bowker, all the, the book scan where they track it. And if your book kicks butt, publishers, the mainstream publishers now are just watching who's the next big self-published person. Because mainstream publishing 15 years ago when I started, way different than it is today. Back then, they still take a, they bank on you and, and, and make a bet and say, you know what, we're gonna go with you. Maybe it wasn't a huge advance or something, but we'll make a bet on you. Today, they can't afford that risk. They, they gotta know this book will be successful. And the only way to know if it's gonna be successful is do you have prior success or do you have current success? And for an established author, 
Penguin, every time I sit down with them, they're like, well, here's how you performed in your last book, so this is what we're predicting for your next one. So now it's a mathematical equation. But for the, the self-published author, they're just scouring and saying, the next new author, they're out there and they're self-publishing and we're gonna cherry pick them. So self-publishing is a great opportunity if it's in BookScan, if you register it, for the big publishers to notice and, and to get a book deal. Okay, amazing. That's great advice. It's something that I have been thinking about. You know, do I want to pitch for a publisher in this next book or not? I'm curious if you pitched for publishers with, because Toilet Paper Entrepreneur is your first book, right? Yeah, I did. Did you try to get a publisher then? Yeah, I got laughed out of the room, yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I want a mainstream <laughs> publisher. And I, I went to the ones I knew. I didn't have an agent or anything. I just called on them. They're like, what? You don't have an agent? Oh, I still don't have an agent, by the way. Oh, really? I, I thought you I'm needed an agent. You don't need an agent. I spoke with my editor, I mean, this is literally just a couple of days ago. I said, hey, Noah, I said, I gotta ask you, how many of uh, your authors have agents? He goes, you're the only one within the portfolio imprint that doesn't have an agent. Like Simon Sinek, he, we share an imprint. He, is a, he has an agent. Seth Godin has an agent. They all have agents. But portfolio in particular, they, they're trying to go more entrepreneurial. They want it. He said that we're actually actively looking to go agent free. Here's the deal. Agents are amazing because they have all the networks and contacts. They, they, they can help you improve your proposal. They can help you improve your book. But agents cost you 15% of your royalties. That's a big chunk of change. That's a big tax. I, I'd rather have that 15% myself and then have use that money to hire an employee here to serve other functions too, like marketing and so forth. So that's that's how I'm channeling the revenue. But my first, first book, Toy Paper Entrepreneur, self-published. I go to some of these places. They laugh at me. And I didn't get it. You know, sometimes ignorance is bliss. In retrospect, I get it. I had no platform. I, I had nothing. But that made me angry. <laughs> angry they wouldn't pick me up. I'm like, why are they picking me up? I'm going to freaking sell a lot of this book. And I, I sold a lot of the book. And I got a call from Penguin who said, hey, we saw you self-published this book. Would you want to do your next book with us? This guy, Dave, called me. I'm like, yeah. And that's how the pumpkin plan came about. Then I got rejected with Profit First. And then they invited me back. And I've been with them ever since. It's amazing that after the success of Pumpkin Plan, they didn't just take whatever you had next. <laughs> Especially because you had a platform then, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's interesting. They, they've changed the evaluation process. So I also asked them about this and they said, oh, you know what we do is we really track a book for its first year. We want to see, does it move 10,000 or 50,000 books or whatever big number. And Pumpkin Plan did well out of the gate. But what Pumpkin Plan did, which is more impressive, is it became a strong backlist book. A backlist book is a book that's out of prominent promotion. Is it's usually a year more old. It's kind of the back of the author's list because they're creating a front list or a new book. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of forgotten in the regards of marketing. But sometimes a backlist book can continue to get momentum. And Pumpkin Plan, I've been very blessed, is continuing to, to climb. It actually it actually had its best sales last week. And it's just interesting, it's climbing. Well, what they did, what Penguin did, was they started analyzing. They hired this this fellow who started analyzing their backlist and they wanted to see if there's any strong backlist books. And among other authors, they said, oh, there's this guy, Mike McCalla something, who <laughs> he was an author of ours and his book is selling stronger than ever right now and it continues to grow, we should call him. And that's when they called me and they, they had rejected Profit First at this point. They said, hey, we want to do, do a book. I said, well, you rejected Profit First. They're like, oh yeah, about Profit First. I think we made a mistake there too. And that's how I got back in. Now, by the way, I'm very not confrontational. I had to struggle a lot of egos. I had my, my own bruised ego, I had to deal with it. 
Yeah. Instead of saying, oh, now you want me back and kind of spit in her face. I'm like, oh, thank When I have the phone, I'm like, thank God. Thank God. <laughs> oh, I thought you would be like, sweet, sweet victory. Like, this is what. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like a little victory, but I was like, thank God. Yeah. So I love self publishing. It's yeah. also very difficult to do because you have to handle distribution, Everything. you have to handle marketing, you have to handle the copy edit, the proofreading, all that stuff. It's nice to have a lot of that off your plate. Yeah. Well, so you started writing these books after you had built multiple multi-million dollar businesses, right? I mean, this mm -hmm. was well after that. Was that, yeah. was, were you like, okay, now I want to move into a career of being an author? Like, oh, how did that happen? Yeah, no, kind of. <laughs> so I, I think one of my young dreams was to be an author. Like, oh, that'd be really cool. I, but, but I thought I had to have all the money in the world to do it. Like you gotta, once I had all the money, I would do it which does presuppose you need to have financial freedom before you pursue your passion. So I was locked out. I built these multi-million dollar businesses, it's true. I sold them, which is true, and became a millionaire. But after that, I started a third business that I conveniently leave off of my resume that I was a disaster. I actually lost all my wealth. I wiped myself out. It was horrible. I lost my house, lost my possessions. I didn't lose my family. That was the only thing that stayed with me, the most important thing. The most important thing. And with zero dollars, and going now through depression, this is about 12 years ago, 15 years ago, right, right before I wrote my first book, I realized there's another question. There's a question, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do? There's another question. If you have no money on this world, in this world, which I didn't, what vocation will you want to pursue to, to support yourself? And I said, well, I want to be an author. My, my dream is to be an author, and I want this to be my vocation, meaning my means of income. And so I started looking at authorship in a different way. I started looking at it like, how, how do I make money day in, day out? And I, I think what a lot of authors were doing at the time, and still do, is I'm gonna write a book that, that gives me credibility, but it's gonna be a glorified business card. And I'm like, I, it doesn't seem to work. I, I want a book that, that markets itself because it's so impactful, so effective, and, and other work may come out of it because of the recognition. So I, I devoted myself to that, and it required discipline to, to stay true to that belief, and then, it took, I mean, it took years and years, probably about 10 years before I started hitting more of a mainstream kind of recognition for the work I do, but that paid off, that paid off. Yeah, wow, okay, so, so it was your passion from, you're right, most people I know that are writing books, I mean, even myself, I didn't have a dream of writing a book, but I, but when it came time to write the book to get the authority, I needed it to be a good one that I was yeah, proud yeah. of, right? I mean, not everybody feels that way, but I felt that way. Actually, yeah. you want to know something? When I sat down to do some of my most intensive writing, I sat down with Pumpkin Plan next to me. Oh, did you? That's awesome. Absolutely. And I, because I really loved the way, and you continue to do this, that you started everything with story and it felt like you were talking to me and it was just a it was a great example of the kind of book i wanted to read i wanted oh, somebody I to it. feel like i was talking to them and i was just I telling it. them stories yeah totally you totally inspired especially the way i start my book and i go like right into the story i wrote that in like 10 minutes after going through your book and i was like oh i can't start my book in this like so I'm gonna tell, you know, some boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can't do that. I gotta start at the bottom. I gotta start like yeah. Mike does. Yep. So I found in, in, I think in books that struggle is the author, this is just me presupposing, the author does not see a one-to-one -one connection. It's not you and the reader, it's you and a group of people. So it's a, it's a one-to-many. And I think that's a grand mistake. Like mm. a book is the most intimate experience someone has. Like. The, 
when I read books, I'm in my bed, you know, in in, in a pair of underwear, you know, yeah. on my lap, and like you know, coffee spilled on me. Like that, like that's how I'm reading a book. It's, it's such an intimate experience. Yeah. Therefore, the connection has to be really raw and really genuine and one to one, and that's the way I write. I, I intentionally and. And that's the way I also rewrite. Another mistake I thought is like, oh, writing is the process of writing. No, no, process writing is the process of rewriting. It's 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 taking that sentence that's like you know ten words long and getting it down to seven words long and then six and being the most effective, poignant, and connecting words. So yeah, so that's that's why I try to do my books. Yeah, how did where'd you learn how to do that? <laughs> Not in in English class apparently. I, I was a D student in English and literature. I. Yeah. Sock. But here's the funny thing is I remember Mrs. Stracco, if you're listening, she's probably passed away, unfortunately. Mrs. Stracco, who was pretty elderly at the time in high school, said, like, you write like you're talking to someone. This is not good literature. And oh. I was like, oh. She, and, you know, and she's right. But also she pointed out my natural talent is that I, I just naturally can write like I'm speaking. Like how I'm talking with you right now is how I write. And, and it's almost indistinguishable. So that ta- I leaned into that talent and, and it's, it's serving me. Yeah, no, I think it's a, the most effective way to do marketing is to write the way. So it sounds like you're speaking to people. I, I try to do that too. And I try to coach people on doing that. And it's very hard for a lot of people when they start to write, they feel like they have to sound different. Totally. Yeah. You know, I, I found a little new hack and this is literally just found this about a few weeks ago as I'm oh. going through this new book and, and doing all the proofing is what past pages are. I, there's a thing called speechify and there's a lot of things, these things uh-huh. out here, but speechify you can take your PDF of your book and, and I'll have someone else read it to you. Not it's a computer, but the computer reads now at a level that sounds almost human like. And now it sounds, you know, you're listening to your own book being read to you and it, it changes the perspective. And I'm like, am I connecting with this or not? And, and that's been very helpful. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I did an edit where I, where I read it out loud and I found a lot of places. Yeah, that's, a, it was yeah, reading, that, that's a great way to edit mm-hmm. is reading out loud too. Yep. Okay. Well, we only have one more minute. I just want to ask you, I'm super excited about your new book, Get Different. Tell us one amazing thing that we can expect from this book. I'll give you a thesis is that the reason most marketing is ignored is because we follow the best practices of the industry. And it makes no sense because the best practice is best. The problem is when something is already established as the normal approach, it's invisible. The essence of marketing is getting noticed. And the human mind is very effective at habituating, meaning when we see something, we ignore it. So I'll give you an example. It's one of the stories in the book. I remember getting that first email, and you probably do too, Pia. The first email I got that said, hey, friend. And I remember looking, I'm like, oh, my God, I have a friend who calls me friend. How often do they do this? Which friend is this? I got like so jacked up only to be disappointed. It was someone I didn't know marketing something I didn't want. The second time I got a hey friend, I was like, is this the same hey friend or is this a real friend? And by the third one, my mind had become habituated and it goes right into the delete box. So what I realized is that we need to do something different than the established norm. Whoever wrote that first hey friend, kudos to them because that was different at the time, but very quickly it became the standard, the best practice, and therefore hey friend didn't work anymore. So what I teach him in Get Different is a basic framework for finding that new, different thing that will distinguish you in your market, milk it for all it's worth until people habituate it, meaning that other people are copying it, and then go for something new again. 
Oh, that's great. That is so of the time, too, because everyone's copying everything and yeah. it's just noise. And oh, I can't wait to see what this framework is. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, I'm sure everybody listening will go out, run out and uh, pre-order this book because it's coming out very I'll soon. Thank you so much, Mike, for taking the time to come on here. Thank you. Oh, Pia, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Mike's next book, Get Different, is out in September. So grab a copy on pre-order at Amazon. And Mike has graciously offered a bunch of business resources for free, and I will link to all of those in the show notes. Definitely go grab them at piasilva.com backslash podcast. So Mike said that his best piece of advice when writing a book is to put everything, all of the information you have in it. Don't hold back. I think a lot of us are scared to share our best stuff because then we think maybe people won't hire us or they won't pay us for it and we can't just give it all away. But why would we want to hide our best stuff behind a paywall? I hope this episode frees you up to share your best ideas freely and know that 80% of people won't hire you. And that's okay. If you didn't share that information, they likely weren't going to find out about you or hire you anyway. Instead, Use your ideas to build your platform and then know that 20% of the people watching and listening, they will want more from you. It is so freeing to approach content like this and it allows you to share your best stuff with the world, which is better for everyone. So I love that that was Mike's best advice today because it's actually more expansive than the advice that he gave me a few years ago. But that advice was very tactical and so helpful. And so it's worth sharing right now. So when I published my first book, he told me two things. He said, definitely record the audiobook as soon as possible. And he was right. And that was something I was going to do, but I didn't realize how important it was. Turns out half of my sales come from Audible. And as he put it, you just won't reach a whole group of people if you don't have an audio version of your book because some people only listen to books. They don't read them. So you need an audiobook. And the second piece of advice he gave was he said, okay, Pia, now that you've got a book, you're always selling books. <laughs> and I took that to mean that the book is such a valuable introduction to you and your business. It's got to be front and center in all of your efforts. And that really stuck with me. And ever since then, I have had the experience that getting people to read my book is the best way to connect with them on a deeper level. It's also my way of giving away a ton of value to people. So taking inspiration from Mike today, have you been sharing your biggest and your best ideas with the world? It doesn't have to be in a book. It could be in videos. It could be in articles. It could be in a podcast. Usually that's where it starts. I wrote my book in content over years before I wrote the actual book, and it made writing the book way easier. So what ideas are you keeping close to the vest that you could be sharing? What medium would be best for you to share them on? And are you ready to start now. Do it. That might just be your next step to showing your business who's boss. Show Your Business Who's Boss is produced by Yellow House Media. Production coordinator is Lou Blazer. This episode is edited by Marty Seafelt. Creative direction by Steve Wasterball. Our theme music is Glass Prisms by Western Runners. Western Runners.